The world seems to be increasingly on a bizarre course of naive insanity, while very determined terrorists are actively targeting our so-called Christian nations. Lately, I'm drawn once again to Daniel chapter 9, where the prophet said in verse 3, I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. The last four verses of that Daniel chapter 9 prophecy concerns the end times. Daniel 9 verses 24 to 27 is where our greatly distracted world should be seeking for truth right now. And that's what we want to explore with you. Hello, I'm Christine Darig. In Daniel chapter 9, this Old Testament prophet prayed a prayer that sounds so contemporary. He prayed, O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face, a phrase that means shame and humiliation, because we've sinned, he said, against you. And yet, as Daniel prayed and humbled himself in the most discouraging circumstances, God rewarded him with some of the most amazing prophetic revelations in this entire Bible. In a proverbial nutshell, God gave Daniel the history of the world and of Israel. And Israel, a little nation about the size of the American state of New Jersey, continually dominates the news. It's because the Bible, the book of Daniel, the prophets, the gospels, the book of Revelation, the Bible teaches that Israel is the central stage of the history of redemption. Of what significance is the fact that, once again, the world has a Jewish state? Of what significance in the world today is the real estate known as the nation of Israel? Unfortunately, some churchmen stubbornly hold to an erroneous position called replacement theology that God has replaced Israel with the church. Many of these replacement theologians ignorantly maintain that the nation called Israel today is insignificant because they erroneously claim the God of Israel is finished with Israel. They deride Israel and engaged in virulent anti-Semitism, saying God wrote off Israel a long time ago because of the crucifixion of Jesus. But these churchgoers are mistaken, and they must not be our spiritual mentors. They absolutely reveal their appalling ignorance of this word of God, and they also reveal their ignorance of the character of our covenant-keeping God. Whether or not it's politically correct, God has committed himself for the long haul to the Jewish people and to the nation of Israel. He hasn't abandoned Israel. And although, according to Hosea 6.2, God hid his face from Israel for two days. Two days in Bible code language amounts to 2,000 years. Nevertheless, the nation of Israel today is not an anomaly on the political landscape. God says in his word that he favors the return of the Jewish people to their promised land in the last days. That means, although God cares about justice and the fate of Palestinians, at the same time, he expects Palestinians to accept the return of the Jews to the Holy Land as a sign that Jesus is returning and to make room for them. 
I hope the church can learn to comprehend God's undying love for the Jewish people. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 2, it declares that the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. That means God's reputation as sovereign of the universe is at stake in the restoration of the Jews. God is a God who made unbreakable promises to Israel, and these covenants and promises will be totally fulfilled. The God of Israel has bound himself to an Abrahamic covenant in the Torah, and he has never stopped being the God of Israel. He's the same. He doesn't change. So the Lord's not finished with Israel, and any God that claims otherwise is an imposter God. Psalm 94 also declares that the Lord will not reject his people. He'll never forsake his inheritance. He may chasten them, but like a good father, he'll never reject them. A promise that the Jewish people took with them into exile is recorded in the Torah in Leviticus 26:44, where God said, even when they are in the land of their enemies, he will not reject them or look at them with disgust. He will not reject or cancel his promise to them because he says, I am the Lord, their God. Despite these sure promises, for centuries, anti-Semitism was founded on the erroneous assumption that God had abandoned his people and that they had forfeited everything. But God specifically stated that despite exile and deserved punishment, he would never break his covenant with the Jewish people. And God even anticipated and addressed this problem through his prophets. For example, Ezekiel 36 and verse 22 declares, It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I will bring you back, but it will be for the sake of my holy name. Well, the Apostle Paul comprehended all of this. He echoed and underscored all of these sentiments in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, Paul asked a vitally important question for every churchman and theologian to answer correctly. We must get this right. Paul asked rhetorically, has God cast away his people? And his answer is, God forbid, literally meaning no, no, not ever, which is the strongest negative possible. No, it cannot be. Such can never happen, Paul said. Hallelujah. So church, we've got to get this right about Israel. This is extremely serious and amazingly timely. Some of my pastoral friends were telling me that they put up a sign against anti-Semitism and against boycotting Israel at a recent Christian resources exhibition in Britain. And they said, unfortunately, they suffered a lot of abuse and animosity from anti-Semitic clergymen who were passing by their ministry display. Well, in the Olivet Discourse of Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Lord Jesus himself taught that at the end of the times of the Gentiles, the Jewish people will be restored to their promised land. Their capital, Jerusalem, will be restored to them. And that happened. And they themselves will be restored to their privileged place of covenant blessings. 
Israel's renaissance has been unfolding, as a matter of fact, right before the eyes of the church. So the last thing we should be is prideful or arrogant. Let's not forget the reason for God's faithfulness to Israel. We can't be deceived and swayed by political correctness. The prophet Samuel, I want to repeat, said that God's word and God's name are simply at stake in the restoration of the Jewish people. It's not so much for their sake that it happens, but rather for the sake of God's character being demonstrated in keeping his loving covenant word to them. Well, it would be wise to take a Sela moment and to stop here to offer up praise to the Lord for his faithfulness throughout history and for the certainty of the fulfillment of all of his word. The miracle of human history is that the Jewish people have survived as a nation in such a hostile neighborhood after being dispersed from the Holy Land for nearly 2,000 years. And the prophet Daniel explained the reason why the Jewish people have survived. And we must understand and grasp this. At the time that Daniel received his end time revelations in chapter 9, he'd been a captive in Babylon for nearly 70 years. But he'd observed that according to the scriptures and the scroll of Jeremiah the prophet, that Jewish captivity in Babylon would last exactly 70 years as prophesied. And so with the knowledge that the exile would soon be over, Daniel began fervently to pray, to repent, and to seek the Lord's face. He testified, I, Daniel, understood by the scriptures the number of the years concerning the Babylonian exile. And so Daniel is a great intercessory example for us. He solemnly set his face toward the Lord to seek his face. It was his habit to pray three times a day at his window in the direction of Jerusalem, the direction of God. Daniel confessed every form of sin before the Lord with genuine sorrow. He acknowledged the nation's personal and public sins, which are the same sins that we have today. Blatant wickedness, disregard of the divine voice, Neglect of God's holy commandments, despising God's faithful messengers, contempt for God's authority, and so forth. Daniel interceded for the whole nation in a vicarious way as an intercessor. He identified with the sins of the nation, and he sought divine favor on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man does have great power, and so Daniel received an answer, even by angelic envoy. Because in verse 21 of Daniel 9, God's own messenger, the angel Gabriel, arrived in Babylon to give Daniel a precise timeline concerning the future. And it's one of the most amazing specific prophecy passages in the entire Bible. You see, while he was fasting and praying, as recorded in the great prophetic chapter 9, Gabriel arrived with a message from the Almighty to say that a certain amount of time in history had been allocated by God to accomplish his eternal purposes through the Jewish nation. Now, previously in the book of Daniel, he had also received revelations concerning the times and seasons of the Gentile nations. 
But in chapter 9, Daniel was told by the angel Gabriel a specific chunk of time that would bring the Messiah and accomplish the end of sin. So let's look at that important passage in Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27. It says here in this monumental passage that 77s, or literally 70 weeks in Hebrew, have been decreed for Daniel's people Israel and for their holy city Jerusalem to accomplish six things. First was to finish the transgression. Secondly, to make an end of sin. Thirdly, to make atonement for iniquity. Fourth, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Five, to seal up the vision and prophecy. And number six, to anoint the most holy place. Wow. God says it's going to take a total of 77s, literally 70 weeks, which in Bible code language is 70 times 7 or 490 Bible years, consisting, theologians and Bible chronologists say, of 360 days each. Now next, in verse 25, Daniel is told exactly when the Messiah will be manifested to Israel. The verse says, Know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince, he's told there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That adds up to 69 weeks altogether, or 483 Bible years. So here we learn that Israel had to wait for 483 Bible years for the Messiah to be manifested to the nation. And then the prophecy says Jerusalem would be built again with the plaza and with the moat, even in stressful times. And verse 26, then, after the weeks adding up to 69, or after the 483 years to be precise, says, the Messiah will be cut off. It says right here in this passage, the Messiah will be killed. And he'll have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city. Jerusalem, and the sanctuary, the temple. Well, who were the people who destroyed Jerusalem? The Romans. Now that period of 69 weeks out of the 70 decreed upon Israel has been fulfilled. Messiah was killed, but there's still one week missing, or seven years yet to be fulfilled. And verse 27 goes on to discuss the final 70th week decreed by God upon Israel, which will play out in the near future. It says, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Who is he? Bible scholars say the person who makes a covenant for a seven-year period will be known as the man of sin or the infamous Antichrist. But verse 27 goes on to say that in the middle of the week, that's after three and a half years, he will put a stop to sacrifices and offering, and, will, and it will be an abomination that brings desolation. So it's as if God has pressed a pause button between the 69 weeks, which have already been fulfilled, when Messiah was cut off, and the gap is between the last 70th week. This huge gap 
has been filled by the times of the Gentiles. The gospel is still being preached throughout the nations in this gap period that's been lasting nearly 2,000 years. Well, the book of Daniel is considered to be like the book of Revelation in the Old Testament. And God clearly revealed there would be a period of 70 weeks or literally 77s decreed for Israel, thus a period of 490 years in history planned by the sovereign God to bring in Messiah, to deal with sin, and to establish eternal righteousness. According to verse 25, the 77s, or 490 years, would begin when there was a command or a decree to rebuild Jerusalem. Verse 25 of Daniel 9 says that until Messiah the Prince, there would be 483 years, or 69 weeks. In Hebrew, that title, Messiah the Prince, is Mashiach Nagid. Bible chronologists have calculated that the 69 weeks were fulfilled on the exact day of the triumphal entry of Jesus, Mashiach Nagid, riding on a donkey into the holy city of Jerusalem. Verse 26 also specified that the Messiah shall be cut off, killed, but not for himself. The Hebrew verb for cut off means a violent death, but not for himself because the Messiah would be bearing the sin of many sinners, as Isaiah the prophet also informs us. According to the prophecy of Daniel 9, there is one remaining week, meaning seven biblical years of 360 days. The gap in time between the fulfilled 69 weeks and the final seven years of prophetic history is essential to understand. You see, there's that gap in prophecy, and such gaps are common in Bible prophecy. Daniel 9 said Jerusalem shall be rebuilt and the Messiah will be cut off. Although the Jewish people of Jesus' day owned this specific prophecy in their holy scriptures, they just couldn't calculate it or fathom it. And because of their unbelief, God has graciously grafted in the believing Gentiles into the commonwealth of Israel. You see, the whole concept of the cross and Jesus making atonement for sins was a stumbling block to the Jewish people because they were looking for the Messiah, the son of David, coming to rule on the throne of David. That will yet happen in the future. Throughout his ministry, Jesus constantly tried to teach and to correct the religious leaders. And he tried to teach his own Jewish disciples time and again about his mission, first to make atonement. Even the prophecy in Daniel 9 clearly predicted that he would die. So he tried to correct their thinking both before and after the resurrection. Jesus was constantly trying to explain the prophetic scriptures, and even he did that on the Emmaus Road, how God had ordained that it was necessary that the Messiah should first suffer and die for the sins of the people. And Israel's high priest had unwittingly prophesied this gospel truth in John 18, 14, when he said that it was expedient that one man should die for the nation. And so the prophecy of Daniel 9.26 clearly foretold that the Messiah would die. He would be cut off. He would die as a common criminal would die. 
the prophets explained that 69 weeks or 483 Bible years would pass and then Messiah would be executed. This is what Daniel 9 clearly says. And Jesus' arrival and death happened as facts of history, just as the book of Daniel recorded and prophesied that it would happen. Can you see why, therefore, it's so important to dig into the book of Daniel while the world is so greatly distracted by every kind of insane issue? Distracted from vital, essential truths? Well, the Messianic Psalm 22 also gave us a vivid account of the crucifixion. But Daniel 9.26 is a monumental prophecy because it foretold the time that Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. Indeed, he came to his own, and his own received him not. Daniel said it would happen just the way it happened. The plain message of the prophecy for all to examine is that God revealed beforehand that after the Babylonian captivity, Israel would wait 483 years for Messiah, but then he would be executed like a common criminal for the sins of the people. At that time, he would not receive the Davidic kingship that was rightly his, but his portion would be humiliation as the suffering servant, not for any inherent reason within himself, but because he would bear all the sins of the nation and of the world. So I want you to have confidence in the validity of the prophecies of the book of Daniel and of the Bible because they have been fulfilled for the most part. But the remaining 70th week decreed upon Israel will undoubtedly be played out soon. What is the basis of our confidence in the validity of the Daniel prophecies? It's the fact that the word of God is immutable. And the prophecy was contained within the scriptures. Every word of Daniel's prayer on behalf of his people and Jerusalem was answered. The following year, King Cyrus gave the edict for Jerusalem's restoration and Messiah came and died right on schedule. So where are we now in our present circumstances? The gap is closing between the 69 weeks decreed upon Israel in the final 70th week determined upon Israel. We're living in an extended period of grace. We're living between the 69 weeks and the final 70th week allotted by God in human history for the finishing of sin to bring in eternal righteousness. Israel is already a nation again and is fighting for its survival amongst the nations. So will we take up our position as watchmen on the walls while the world is disintegrating and the church is falling into apostasy? The man of prayer, the woman of prayer, potentially exerts a greater influence over national affairs than kings, prime ministers, and presidents. Daniel proved that. This is because prayer moves the hand that moves the world. You may say, well, Christine, how then should we pray? First of all, Prayer that brings answers is founded upon a knowledge of God's word and a knowledge of God's will. It'll be utterly fruitless to pray against Israel because God said in Genesis 12, 3, he will bless those who bless Israel and he will curse individuals who curse Israel. Yes, indeed, you may certainly pray against corruption in Israel's government. You may pray against the high rate of abortions in the Israeli army and so forth. 
pray for righteous and just leaders, judges and decision makers in the Israeli government. But she may not pray for God to overthrow the Israelis in favor of a Palestinian government. That would be sheer ignorance of God's word. The reason why Daniel prayed so powerfully and effectively was that he knew from Jeremiah's prophecies God's will. He knew God's purposes concerning Israel. And did you notice that Daniel didn't just sit back, put up his feet, wait, and watch God fulfill prophecy? Daniel knew what all men and women of prayer know, that instead of rendering prayer unnecessary, unfulfilled prophecy necessitates vital, urgent intercessory prayer. God's not a fatalist. He alone knows the dates of prophecies yet to be fulfilled, but he also mysteriously works into the equation our responsibility to intercede and to pray. In God's economy, much depends on the level of earnest prayer and fasting of his people. God waits in order to be gracious to us. God waits for our prayers as the last link in the chain. Concerning Israel's increase in salvation in the last days, God even revealed the key in Ezekiel 36, 37. He said, for this I will yet be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. So that means Israel will have to pray like Daniel prayed. He put his whole soul into his fastings and prayer, but he rose to the occasion. He rose to the height, depths, and breadth of the great national emergency. He knew what we also know, that the set time to favor Zion had come. God found the most excellent vicarious intercessor in Daniel. And I'm confident in God's ability to find more Daniels in these last days whose souls and prayers will arise to the occasion to accomplish exploits in prayer. God's end-time Daniels will fully understand that it's his time to favor Zion. It's time to establish eternal righteousness with the second coming of Messiah. So I have to give you a solemn warning. Because of the miraculous rebirth of the nation of Israel, we're living on borrowed time. Soon the church age and the times of the Gentiles will be finished. Bible theologians and Bible chronologists say that Daniel's final 70th week determined upon Israel will be the time of Jacob's trouble prophesied in the Bible. Daniel's 70th week of seven biblical years will soon start God's prophetic clock ticking once again. And Jesus will return to claim his glorious bride. Then he will restore the Davidic kingdom to Israel. God will continue to remain faithful to his covenant with the nation of Israel. In the meantime, we're urgently believing the Lord of the harvest to win at least a million souls through this ministry in the remaining times of the Gentiles prior to the second coming of Jesus. And that's why we so covet your prayers. There's another verse from the book of Daniel, Daniel 11:32, which promises that those of us who know God will be strong and will carry out exploits. God is seeking sold out intercessors and watchmen on these walls. If that's you, we'd like to stay in touch with you via the social media. And we also invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv 
where you can click online to receive a free copy of our Color Magazine exploits. So until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.